0: Mindfulness Mode 462.
1: But we could last for weeks without having to have a meal. And we dine in then. Our body uses our own body fat.
0: Hey, Mindful Tribe. Welcome back. So good to have you here. I'm Bruce Langford, host of Mindfulness Mode. If you're new, welcome. Great to have you here. Hey, have any of you struggled with social media? Have you found that it just takes so much time well, I have found I've received so much help from a tool called Meet Edgar. And Meet Edgar actually puts your social media on autopilot. At least it's kind of like that. Meet Edgar makes it easy to schedule and automate your content. And whether you're using Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even LinkedIn, you can uh, automate it on all of those platforms. And I found it to be really helpful, really helpful. You can check out more about Meet Edgar at meetedgar.com. But if you want to get a second month free, you can go to mindfulnessmode.com Edgar, E-D-G-A-R. And I say the second month free because you already get the first month free. So check out Meet Edgar and let me know how you do with it because it's been a big help for me now today i have a guest that i just enjoyed every moment of talking with her she's in maui hawaii she has a beautiful life from her description and on the show she tells a story about well pretty terrible thing that happened to her car but really the story was about how she managed her emotions through that encounter. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with Joanne King. Mindful Tribe, I'm here with a delightful guest, a calm and relaxing guest who is happily living in Maui, and we're going to be talking about mindful eating, we're going to be talking about counseling and how mindfulness counseling can help you. I'm here with Joanne King. Joanne, are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: Aloha, Bruce. I am in Mindfulness mode every day. (laughs) That's my
0: business. It's so great to talk to you, Joanne. And I want to share a bit about you with my listeners with Mindful Tribe. This is Joanne King, a counselor in psychotherapy whose goal is to transform people's lives one person at a time. And her work focuses on compassion, mindfulness, self awareness and helping others to lead a happier and more joyful life. She's been featured on podcasts. She's been uh, featured in bookstores and different uh, uh, ways. When she's not helping others to navigate the various challenges that they encounter in life, you can find her, like I said, in Maui, writing and going to the beach. So, Joanne, what does mindfulness mean to you?
1: Mm. Uh, It actually is for me, gives me a sense of being grounded and stable and able to access the wisdom part of my mind rather than reacting when situations arise. And I think that's what the practice brings. For most everyone who practices, right? It's about learning to respond wisely rather than react when situations arise in life.
0: And I know you're doing a lot of work on mindful eating these days. And I know, especially in the US, I live in Canada and we have this problem, of course, too. It's all over North America a problem with weight, a problem with being healthy through eating. So, where do we start with this?
1: That's a great question, Bruce. So typically, I guess the first question one might ask themselves is, why are you eating? Are you really hungry or are you craving something? Are you eating from needing nourishment for your body or are you eating because you're sad or lonely?
0: Or sometimes we eat because we think it's time. You know, it's yes. 12 o'clock noon, it's lunchtime, I should be yeah. eating, what will I have? And it's routine. And we don't stop to think, is my stomach actually feeling that need for food or is this just a scheduling thing? And I've learned that some days I'm just not hungry at all and I don't need to eat at all. I used to think that if I didn't eat for a certain number of hours, then I I might start to feel you know, unhealthy or might start to feel a little bit weak or something. And now I realize as long as I eat healthy foods and I'm not eating, well, I don't eat sugar, I don't eat processed sugar. And that has made a huge difference because then I'm not on that roller coaster, you know, of feeling all that high energy and then the low energy. What are your yeah. comments on sugar and processed sugar especially?
1: First, I wanted to address the part about not eating when you're not hungry. And I actually call that dining in so your body can use the fat store that you have because most people can live weeks without eating, right? I mean, we need water every day, but we could last for weeks without having to have a meal. That's right. And we dine in then our body uses our own body fat.
0: Yeah. So I was asking about the processed sugar and what your comments are on processed sugar in the diet.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's something that I recommend people try to cut out of their diet. Right. And the reason being is that if we were to look at sugar, flour and wheat, those are all processed foods and they're similar they're all natural in nature right wheat is natural sugar comes from sugarcane that's natural um and so but if we look at cocaine and heroin those come from plants as well right sure. but the thing they all have in common is they're processed into this fine white powder and it's very addictive to our brain and the reason it's very addictive to our brain is because It sets off what I call the reward center of the brain. And the brain starts to release what we call dopamine, the feel-good hormones. And then we want more and more of it. And so it does become an addictive process. And so best to cut it out if you can.
0: There's so much talk about gluten these days. And I know if I eat bread especially bread, but those kinds of things, then I can feel quite bloated. Some people say Mm -hmm. if you go to Italy and you eat bread there, you won't feel bloated to the same extent. Have you had that experience? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, they process their wheat differently than we do. So they have a different process for their wheat. And that's why their pasta, you may not feel bloated when you eat their pasta, if it is from, in fact, Italy. So yeah, I... Definitely say bread. If you can cut that out, cut it out. You know, occasionally it's okay to add it in if you're out for dinner somewhere and they have some beautiful French baguette, you're going to want to eat them.
0: Well, there's so many concerns with health, but I have found it easier just to simply eliminate certain things. And then it's not a big decision-making process. What should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? I know that I don't eat foods with processed sugar. So that's simple. I know I don't eat after seven 30 at night. So that's simple. And by doing that, I've eliminated a lot of foods that I used to eat, you know, later, later on in the evening, I might think, Oh, I'll just have a snack and then I'd end up eating way too much. So I find those are ways to, to help, with diet. Do you have any other tips for people that are wanting to maintain their health through healthy eating?
1: Oh, gosh, I have so many tips. How much time do you have?
0: (laughs) I have lots of time.
1: Okay, good. So some tips for mindful eating, I would say, when you eat, eat, just sit and eat and really taste and savor your food. So before you even eat your food, I would say, you know, sit down and take a look at it, smell it, go through your five senses and see, is it making noise? Is it sizzling? Can you touch it? And how does it feel? What's the texture like? What's the color like? What's the smell like? All of these things are important. The other thing is too, when you're eating, a lot of times our taste buds get tired. And after the first few bites, the food will taste different. So I suggest, you know, taking two or three bites And then notice after that, has the taste changed a little bit? And if it has, perhaps you don't have to eat all of the food. So then we go into about sensing when you've had enough to eat. Can you sense and feel into the body when you're full? Can you feel that feeling of satiety? That's, really important for people. And we do a lot of work with feeling into the body because that's where you can get the message of feeling full or feeling real hunger, not I'm thirsty or I'm tired or I'm bored or it's six o'clock and it's time to eat. And then choosing your food wisely. How do you choose your food? One of the things I always tell my clients is if you're great grandmother would have eaten it, then it's probably okay for you to eat because back then there were not processed foods. And today processed foods are sort of a new phenomenon, right? I think they started perhaps in the sixties with TV dinners and now they've become so sophisticated that food manufacturers actually produce their foods to get to what we call the bliss point. Have you heard of the bliss point?
0: I've heard of that. Yeah, explain it for us.
1: Yeah, so the bliss point is where food manufacturers hire food scientists and the food scientists create food that has the perfect amount of sugar and fat and salt. And that perfect combination tweaked will actually release that dopamine receptors we were talking about and bring you into that feeling of oh this is so good. And that's why when you sit down with a bag of chips or a bowl of popcorn in front of the TV, you'll eat and all of a sudden look down and go, "Oh my gosh, did I just eat that whole bag of chips? Where did it go?" Or the pint of ice cream. I mean, it happens frequently for everyone that eats processed foods. So again, going back to eating food in its most natural whole state as you can. So For instance, in the produce aisle, you're going to want to eat food right off the vine, right? You're going to peel that mango and eat it right away, right? So eating it in its natural state is really helpful. Um, Cultivating what I call outer and inner wisdom. Outer wisdom is understanding the food and what you're eating and the nourishment it will provide, while the inner wisdom is sensing into what your body needs. If you start to listen to your body, you can actually tune in to what the body needs. Your cells, you have billions and billions of cells in your body and every single cell you have has a nucleus, which is known as a brain, the brain of the cell. And if you can tune into your body, you can actually understand what you need. Perhaps you're having a craving for a banana. Well, that might mean you need some potassium in your diet.
0: My brain is wired for carbs. So my brain can suddenly flash carb alert. Carb alert, Mm -hmm. carb alert. (laughs) Hey, where are the carbs? And my son even put all the carbs into one cupboard. And he said, dad, there are the carbs. Try to avoid that cupboard. (laughs) So I found that kind of funny, but it's funny because sometimes like my wife will make uh, cauliflower rice by putting cauliflower into the, into the food processor. And it, to me, it's very delicious. And I even like it better than rice. And she makes out of zucchini, she uses her spiral machine and she makes this kind of, it looks like pasta, but it's really zucchini. Mm -hmm. But the funniest thing happens. I enjoy this food. I truly do. The meal's over. And then my brain does a carb alert. And I'm like, oh, I still want to eat something. Where's bread? You know, or crackers. And at least I can identify that. At least I'm aware of it. But why does my brain do that carb alert, Joanne?
1: I think it sounds habitual that it's probably a habit that you have over the years, perhaps. So the thing that I like to do is when I finish a meal, I have a small piece of chocolate, and that's my signal. That eating is done for the day, because then I do intermittent fasting. It's like you said you don't eat after seven thirty. I don't eat after six o'clock. and I try to get a minimum of twelve to fourteen hours of not eating so that my body can recuperate from all the food from the previous day, and then I start anew. And when I start the next day to break that fast, I usually will have two cups of hot lemon water. And then that sort of gets my system going in the morning. And that's become a real habit for me. So the chocolate acts as a signal to say, okay, eating is done for the day. You'll eat again in the morning. And then the morning I break the fast with the lemon water. And that's really been super helpful for me. And a lot of my clients have adopted it. So my mindful eating program doesn't tell people what to eat. So nothing is off limits. Carbs are not off limits. If you want carbs, you should eat carbs. I feel that way. And then what happens is the wisdom, as you go through the program, the wisdom comes into play and then you'll start making decisions based on the wisdom you're learning in the program. And you may automatically just eat less and less and less and then eventually cut them out. And that's what I see with a lot of the clients.
0: That's fascinating. And I know we can learn more about this at joannkingcounseling.com and it's J O A N N E. King, K-I-N-G, and Counseling, C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G, JoanneKingCounseling.com. So what other kinds of counseling do you offer to people besides mindful eating?
1: So we do have mindfulness stress reduction. I do mindfulness for chronic pain. Chronic pain is a really big one. I do individual counseling. I counsel couples. And those are really all the specialties that I work on. And anything else I refer to other counselors in my office because I like to keep what I do to certain categories that I feel that I specialize in. And I don't feel that I can do everything, right? I want to specialize in my mindfulness. And also I've been enjoying couples a lot lately.
0: Right. So do you do almost all your counseling over the internet or do you do a lot of it with people in your office?
1: So we have counseling where they can come into my physical office here on Maui, but Maui is a small community. So I also do counseling through the internet, through a program that is a secure program that we purchase through our office. So it's not a Zoom, it's not a Skype, it's not a FaceTime, because those are not secure programs and people could log in. But we have a very secure program called Thurnest and we will counsel through Thurnest.
0: I see. Oh, that's very interesting. So when you counsel couples, I'm interested to know what you've noticed has changed over the last, say, 15 or 20 years. Couples used to come to you and you counseled them and there were certain issues. Now there are probably different issues. What are some of the changes you've seen over the years?
1: I think that men have opened up more and have become more sensitive. I think that's the most important thing I've seen is the expansion of men and wanting to fix things and wanting to be better in the relationship, right? Relationship is always 50-50. It's not just one person. It's never just one person. So I like the fact that men are now open and they've stopped blaming their wife for their issues. And so they come in with this open mind, ready to work on what's going on. And I've saved so many relationships And that is really fulfilling for me. And that's why I've continued to do relationship counseling.
0: Now, someone told me that a lot of problems with relationships sometimes can go back to porn and porn abuse and the fact that now in the last 15 years or so, porn is so readily available on the internet. Have you found that that is a problem in relationships quite a bit these days?
1: I have seen um, a lot of people that do get addicted to porn. It is a problem. But I want to say I believe that the most problems that I have seen in relationships have been from childhood wounds and childhood attachment styles. So when you're a baby or a young child, you learn attachment to your caregiver. And depending on what your caregiver gives you is how you learn to attach. And so if you have an attachment that's broken, when you go into relationship, this actually plays out. And a lot of times clients don't even realize that themselves. It's sort of like if you were to look at an iceberg, right? You're floating in a boat and you see an iceberg and you see this, oh, just a small little hill of an iceberg. But if we were to look underneath the water, we see the iceberg goes for miles and miles down. So I feel like the miles and miles down is all of the things that happened to that person when they were younger. And they've incorporated those wounds into their life, but they're unconscious a lot of times. And so when we can bring, the unconscious into the light and have the person acknowledge that unconscious thought pattern, belief pattern, it's really about beliefs. And so when we can bring it into the light and they can examine it and then they can let it go and they can move on and understand how the beliefs caused their behavior, which caused a result in the relationship. And then we can change that.
0: Joanne, speaking of children, I want to ask, what was a day in your life like when you were seven years old? Were you a girl who wanted to help people the way you do in your adult life, or what was that like?
1: So as a child, I was pretty much a caretaker in my home, and I, uh, my mom was divorced when I was about four, so I was the caretaker. And yes, i Did help a lot with everyone. I listened to everyone and what their issues were in the home. Yeah, so that was a big part of my childhood, and that's probably why I'm here today.
0: (laughs) I always ask a question about bullying. Do you have a story about bullying, either in adult life or childhood life, where mindfulness would have made a difference?
1: So I, you know, I did not experience bullying as a child. And I don't know why, I just feel like perhaps I stayed to myself and I didn't really try to fit in. I just, I stayed to myself and I studied and did my own thing. So yeah, no, I didn't really, I don't really have a bully story.
0: And where did you grow up, Joanne?
1: I'm originally from New Jersey. Ah, Very close. I grew up very close to Manhattan. And the thing I loved about being close to Manhattan, I was only 20 minutes out of Manhattan, really close to the GW Bridge, Mm -hmm. which got us into Manhattan instantly. And there was so much culture there on the East Coast, right? Because New Jersey is one of the older states, right? It's one of the original states. And we had so much history, right? We have the Statue of Liberty. We could go to Philadelphia to the Bell. We could go to Boston, to Plymouth Rock. I mean, so there was so much we did. And I just love that part of growing up on the East Coast. And I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity to learn about the history of the United States in that way, in a direct way, not conceptual through a book but through the direct visiting these sites. So learning about things directly instead of conceptually is really an important way to learn. And and I actually focus on that in mindful eating. I focus on the direct learning of eating versus conceptual thought process.
0: Joanne, we haven't talked about meditation. Do you meditate every day? Is meditation part of your life?
1: Um, So I meditate every day. I sit. And when I sit, the moment I can feel like I'm getting down onto my blanket and sitting, I feel like I'm coming home. And so it's just this really good feeling of coming home to my blanket and sitting and coming and going internal. But I've also been a yoga teacher for 20 years. So I teach yoga and meditation. And the yoga is a more informal practice of mindfulness. And I love teaching people yoga in conjunction with mindfulness, because you can feel into the body. Then it helps people learn. Most of us are cut off at the neck, right? We are using the control tower of the mind, kind of like an airport control tower, right? The control tower tells us what to do, where to go, where to be, but the body, the feeling is the most important How do you feel? What are your thoughts making you feel? Are you able to feel good in your body and feel good when you think certain things? And I like to help people to learn that you don't have to feel bad. You can feel good every day. It's a choice. And a lot of times I say, your day will go the way the corners of your mouth face in the morning. So if the corners of your mouth are up and you're smiling, you're going to have a great day.
0: Yeah, I love that. I also love your podcast, the 10 minute mindful moment. I've tuned into your podcast uh, quite a number of times and it sounds like you really enjoy it. Is that something that you've really enjoyed since you started your podcast?
1: Yes. And so I must say I'm rather new at it, but I am loving it. And I've started bringing on guests and I can't wait to have you on my podcast.
0: Great. And I'm excited about that too. Yeah, because I like the idea of just having a short little podcast. Of course, my episodes are longer, but I always thought, you know, if I started another one, I might start one with like just very short little episodes. And that's exactly what you've done. So it's called the 10 minute mindful moment so check it out mindful tribe it's a great podcast and it's a it's really enjoyable to listen to now as we move forward joanne in the interview i want to ask you five quick answer questions so just 30 second answers are perfect the first one is this who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life
1: So I want to say it began in my yoga practice with Kriyananda, which he was a disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. So I am of that lineage. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda was the very first Indian gentleman who came to the United States back in the 1930s. And so my teacher was his first uh, apostle. So when I studied with him, he was probably in his 80s. He's passed on now, but he was very influential for me in getting into mindfulness, getting into yoga. And yoga is actually how I got into mindfulness. I started in yoga and it just became this, such a fulfilling practice for me to get into my body. I'm not sure if you know that trauma when we experience trauma in life, it's actually held within the body. And when you are able to move the body in ways like Tai Chi, yoga, that helps to release it. Also body work like massage can help. Um, And it's not a once and done thing. It is a practice. And as you practice, you're able to release the trauma. It's actually held in the myofascial part of the muscles in the body.
0: My next question is how has mindfulness affected your emotions?
1: So I am able to stay calm in the face of basically anything that happens. I don't get riled. And sometimes when something happens, that is something that would make people upset. And I don't get upset. I think to myself, how come I'm not upset about that? Like what? (laughs) Like I bought a brand new car last summer. It was so exciting. Really beautiful, beautiful German sports car. And probably less than one month into it, I got into an accident.
0: Oh boy.
1: Yeah. And I was just like, okay. Oh, well, it can get fixed. No big deal. But I have to say most of the people in my life when they saw it, they were more upset than I was. I was just like, Hey, no big deal. I'm going to fix it. Like
0: what's <laughs> right. up with?
1: and typically it was the men, the men went crazy when they saw it. Like, yeah.
0: What kind of sports car is it?
1: <laughs> it's actually an AMG Mercedes Benz.
0: Oh yeah. I like cars and it's always interesting to know, but I felt the same way too. Like I'm like, yes, well, it's just a machine basically. And it can just go to the shop and in a few days have it fixed and they'll probably even give me a loaner or I can rent one. And you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not really that big a deal, but some people do get very upset about that kind of thing. That's for sure. It's just, just how we look at it. The next question I have is tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness.
1: A lot of people don't know this, but breathing is the only system in the body that can help us to relax and the way it does that is through the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system has two branches, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And most of us live with a low level high sympathetic, right? And that this what is the sympathetic? Well, it's the fight, flight or freeze. And it's a very older part of the brain, and when we're in this fight, flight or freeze all the time, we have cortisol that circulates through the body. And that actually helps to hold weight onto the body. And so breathing is a huge part of the mindful eating program too. And I teach a lot of techniques in how to breathe to help reduce the sympathetic and raise the parasympathetic. And so when we can get the parasympathetic and sympathetic systems in balance, then you're going to feel a lot more relaxed and you're not going to feel so stressed. Um, The only country in the world right now that recognizes the imbalance of the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems is Japan. Uh And so I'm hoping that the United States will get on board with that and make that a diagnosis so that people can come in and have treatment covered by insurance.
0: Mm, that makes sense. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what book would that be?
1: <laughs> so, my very favorite book, and I just absolutely adore the title, is Everywhere You Go, There You Are by John Kabat Zinn. So, yeah, that would be the one book I would recommend.
0: I love that book too, Joanne. It's awesome. Yeah. Can yeah. you recommend an app which can help with mindfulness?
1: So I don't really use apps for mindfulness. I think my practice is so strong that I don't have the need to go there, but I have heard, and I I work with a lot of teachers that teach on that app, which is 10% happier. So some of my friends and colleagues teach on that app. I honestly haven't used it, so I can't really validate that it works or it doesn't, but Like I said, some of my highly respected colleagues teach on that app. And so perhaps that's one that they could try.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, Mindful Tribe, go to joannekingcounseling.com. I will spell it again. J-O-A-N-N-E-K-I-N-G. And counseling is C O U N S E L. I N G Joanne King counseling.com and check out the podcast, the 10 minute mindful moment. Now I know before I hit record, you mentioned that you have a mindful eating guidebook. Can you tell us about that?
1: I do. I've created a guidebook that I like to give to people to help them in the life, just to give them some tips and tricks to add to their life. Perhaps like one One really quick trick for people who want to lose weight is to eat with your non-dominant hand.
0: That's that's a good suggestion.
1: Yeah, it's going to slow you down. And when you slow down, because it takes about maybe 15 or 20 minutes for signals from the tummy to go to the brain and say, whoa, you're full. And if you eat too fast, you can overeat. And then you don't feel well. You feel lethargic and I want to sit down. I ate too much. Why did I do that? Right. Then we spiral into guilt and feeling bad. So yeah, just slowing down, eating with a non-dominant hand, I think is the best tip I could give you. But I'm offering it for free. And if they go to my website, just send me an email as well. You can send me an email, and I'm happy to go ahead and send that to you. I also have a free Initial consultation, if you're interested in mindful eating, where I will sit with you and talk with you about what the issues you are facing, because the program is really an individualized program. This is not a one size fits all. I work with people one on one and help you to understand what's going on in your life so you can make the positive changes to really get the results
0: you want. That's great. Well, thank you for all the work you do helping people in the world, Joanne.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me as a guest. It's been such a pleasure to see you today and talk with you.
0: Yes, you too. All the best to you. Bye now. Mahalo. whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. So remember what I said at the top of the show about Meet Edgar and how that tool can help you with your social media content so much. Check it out and get, like I said, the second month free. You already get the first month free. Get the second month free with this with this uh, URL. Go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash Edgar, E-D-G-A-R. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.